1: There we go. Got it, okay. it's recording yeah. to the cloud. All right, well, like you were just saying about guitars, man, all you need is one guitar. That's it.
0: <laughs> that is very true, very, very true, yeah.
1: Henry Donahue, welcome to The Career Musician. We are honored to have you as a guest. Thank you for thank you for having me. Absolutely, it is a big day today.
0: Uh, it is Mental Health Action Day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if that's what you're referring to, yeah, I hope so.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, The way I always like to uh, paint the picture is uh, as creatives, as artists and musicians, we're all a little, you know, a little loco sometimes because of our hearts being worn on our sleeves, right? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but to get serious and real with the matter, I think it's fantastic that you're willing to do this for us. And I want to, you know, make sure that we take this seriously and that we get the story told and that all the resources are presented so people can actually take action.
0: Sure, Uh, let's get into it. Let's do it.
1: Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Okay, so uh, you're with the Save the Music Foundation via MTV and VH1, can you tell us a little bit about-
0: Sure, yeah. Um, So Save the Music Foundation's been around about 25 years our mission is helping students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think I probably have to convince anybody listening to this podcast that that's a, uh, that's a good thing, but there is still an urgent need out there, particularly in public schools and particularly in public schools, in communities where due to economic challenges and school administration challenges, they've cut music and the arts over the years. There's a real need to spur people to action and create urgency around the issue that music and making music should be a part of every student's school day. Right now, there are about 5 million students out there nationwide, about and about 15,000 public schools in places where, you know, they've cut it, downsized it, or, you know, never, never had it. And, And, and that's not okay. And so our mission is working with schools, working with communities so that when they bring music back to the classroom and the school administration agrees to budget for a teacher teaching music during the school day, the Save the Music Foundation is there alongside that school and that school district and that community with everything they need to get that program off the ground. So we've uh, donated instruments to uh, over 2,000 schools over the last 25 years. We've worked with hundreds of school districts. And now the program has evolved to the point where when a school comes online and we have over 150 new schools coming online this year, they get instruments, but they also get books, they get the stands, they get increasingly more and more technology. So digital audio workstations, synthesizers, MIDI controllers. Uh, We do a lot around supporting the teacher. So making sure that the teacher is successful when this program gets off the ground. And we full-time advocate for for music education. And bringing it back to, to mental health, mental health, particularly, you know, over the last several years, and we've seen the toll that the pandemic and being out of school um, has taken on on young people, music is a powerful, powerful tool in making music for resilience, for recovering, for getting students back in school, and then um, working together through all the sort of thorny issues and challenges that that have come up from a mental health perspective
1: man that that is incredible there's so much to unpack right there in that opening statement so (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna you know pick little certain things here and there um we all know that when you are feeling let's just say like you said due to the pandemic and whatever or just normal life when you're feeling a little down depressed One of the best remedies is exercise, right? So you go out for a jog, you go for a walk, you play some, you shoot some hoops, whatever it is. And you're like, wow, I actually feel a little better, right? You get the endorphins going and that does it for you. Uh, So all of the school systems or most of the school systems, from what I understand, still have athletics and sports, you know, fully funded, correct?
0: hundred percent. Yes. So I I was uh, just in, uh, I was just in Louisiana. And there was a massive lobbying effort from the football coaches and communities in Louisiana to make sure that football came back uh, as soon as possible And don't get me wrong I love football yeah. you have a you have a big football program you need a band That's and so crazy. I'm oh, I get on a phone call with a you know a principal and a superintendent and they bring the football coach uh I'm overjoyed <laughs> uh yes but yeah, yeah continue with that thought hey. We're back you, you kicked me out
1: yeah we, we're back we had a little uh, a little glitch there okay so I'll pick up so uh, like you were saying yes so when you talk to football coaches that's a great end you need ma- you need a band you need music uh, so the the parallel that I'm drawing here is you know just like athletics is kind of really important to our mental well-being and, and overall health music is the same it's synonymous so how did you you know go about or how do you go about? convincing the school boards, hey guys, come on, we need this funding. Wh- whatever we gotta do, we gotta salvage it. How does that all work? Sure.
0: Um, the short answer on mental health is, I think that, you know, and as a musician, and uh, as musicians, I think we understand intuitively the positive effect that playing music has, mm. has on mental health. Um, you know, I try to play music every day. I'm guessing that you do. And most of your, most of your listeners here do. And you can just feel, you know, how you feel when you're playing music, after you play music, it affects your brain, um, in a, in a very, very different way than, um, being on a podcast does, you know, or, or sending an email or whatever else we have to do during the day. Um, and we also see that out in the world, right? So, going beyond the impact that it has. And, and people know that people make music in church. People are making music all the time. People have music at their wedding. People are, you know, um, making music with their kids. And so music making is is everywhere. And I think people, so I was trying to start with the firsthand experience and I can talk to my own experience. I was sort of a hyperactive 10 year old, you know, I like got in fights. I wasn't super connected to, to school. I remember the day that the band for the middle school came down to the multipurpose room in my Maryland elementary school and like did the demo of like, this is what band is all about. And they had a duo, um, both kids who, who I knew growing up and and knew before, during, and after one was on trumpet was one was on drums Mm -hmm. and they did rock around the clock. And it blew my 10 year old mind, (laughs) you know? And from that day on, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, so I picked up the trumpet and I played that. I eventually picked up the guitar. I was in musical theater. I was in show choir. I was in, uh, every possible, you know, musical thing that I could get my hands on and it gave me a peer group at school. It gave me a reason to come to school. It gave me a connection to my education. It gave me a way during the school day to express myself in a way that, that other parts of school didn't. So I usually start with myself, my personal story connect with, and I think in any kind of advocacy, that's really where you need to start. Mm -hmm. Um, and then people can look around their community. When you think about vets, um, and I'll give a shout out to another amazing nonprofit, um, guitars for vets. Uh, I don't know if, you know, Patrick, uh, o- over there, um, we've been connected with them through Gibson. They work in VA hospitals, oh. uh, all around the country, um, you know, music therapy for, for different kinds of uh, students. Uh, you know, they, what you see in among, um, you know, older people and the impact that music had on them. My mother, uh, before she passed had dementia and playing music for her connecting, you know, to those songs, she could remember every word for every Simon and Garfunkel song and every Beatles song. <laughs> and so, yeah, I always, music is everywhere. Music is an incredible part of people's lives, everyone's lives, mm-hmm. you know, so conge- connecting with the idea of the joy of music, the power of music you know, and sort of the impact that music has on you emotionally, physically, you know, I, I really always start with that. And then, you know, beyond that, there is a ton of research and hundreds of case studies That's right. on the impact that music has on the brain, on the impact that music has on young people, on the impact that having active music making in your school has uh, in your school. And so, you know, on the off chance that the person you're talking to, the decision maker at the school level, isn't connected to in their life or personally or in their family uh, to music, which is rare, mind you, because everybody is,
1: Right.
0: Um, we have a ton of real data and research to back that up. I'll just, I'll, I'll give you one of them uh, that I sort of looked at right before we jumped on. So, in 2019, University of Chicago reviewed over 200 studies around music and music making, and arts and music, and music in schools, and music in the brain. And overwhelmingly, those studies showed that in school, which is where we're focused, music enables students to engage with their peers, with their teachers, with their experiences in a fundamentally different way. Mm than anything else that they're they're doing they're doing in school and you can look at studies that the nea national education i'm sorry the national endowment for the arts has done um, you know beyond that music and the arts are particularly valuable for out at risk students right. So, so students who are have a challenging situation at home or you know in their lives outside of school we have a ton of research and data that shows that when those students are making music, when there's active music making in the school as part of the school day, those schools do better, higher test scores, better attendance. Those students do better. They graduate at higher rates. They go on to become more predict, productive citizens. Right. Um, and that's the last thing I'll say about it. Like, my pitch isn't about creating amazing musicians, though, if that's a byproduct. That's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about creating successful people mm. who have the skills to navigate the world. I was just uh, in Mississippi and I was fortunate to lead a, um, a panel discussion in Jackson, Mississippi that had four incredible band directors from different parts of Mississippi. Yeah. These are powerful, powerful people and hopefully people on the podcast can think about, you know, a music teacher or a band director that had that impact in their life. And there's a guy, um, down there, he's the, uh, the band director, I believe at Murrah high school in Jackson, uh, Mississippi, Brian. And he said, their motto is practice life. Mm. Don't practice for the performance. Don't practice for the halftime you're practicing for life. So when you are, listening to the other people in your ensemble when you're showing up on time, when you're prepared and have everything, you know, your instrument, your everything ready, ready to go on time. Yeah. I can see you, see you reacting to that. And I can also reflect on how many bands I've been on where there was like that one person who was never on time and there's, you know, never in tune, whatever. Um, so anyway, he says, uh, yeah, he says practice life. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that really, that really resonates with me and that's that's what I that's what I pitch to these schools.
1: Well, uh, f- wow, first of all, g- kudos to you. That's a fantastic pitch and and you have to come in from that point of uh, you know, empathy, sympathy, understanding, right? Like you said, for advocacy, that's the, that's your entry point. Uh which by the way aligns perfectly with our mission here at the Career Musician because Although we we do exist to empower musicians with strategies for a sustainable career. That's what we want to do for those who want to pursue music as a career. But we hold you to a higher standard. I'm actually releasing a book Monday, and it's about your, your moral value system and what you adhere to. So that goes perfectly with practicing life and the fact that you want to make better people, not better musicians, because... Even to be a musician, you need to be a good person first. You need to understand who you are, have a good grounding in it. You need to have good self-esteem, right? And all these different things. So they really do go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, and I, am sure you can, uh, uh, imagine this, you know, what principals at schools really, really love. They love a wonderful holiday concert. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, they love a great spring concert. They love, think back to your middle school, you know, and how the principal you hadn't seen, you know, any sign of for, for weeks or months as a student, you know, stood in front of the, stood in front of the band, you know, and introduced the band. And again, I love that. I love the principal loves a good winter concert. I love a football coach who loves a, a good drum line or a band at, at the game. Um, but when it comes down to being advocates, uh, again, that's not really what we're all about. Like, I love the kid who's really not such a great musician, but just loves it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just get such a kick out of, uh, here's how I explain it to people. I go to peop- other people's kids, like elementary school recorder concerts. <laughs>
1: <There
0: you go. laughs> Imagine that. You know what I mean? And so I just love it when a kid is like clearly not doing it right. Yeah. And, you know, especially with the recorder ensembles. Sometimes
1: oh. that's rough. That can be rough. Remember um, days? I remember mine. It was like this this off yellow kind of beige with a green case. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: so but I love when a kid is just maybe he's not doing it right, but he's super into it. Right, right. You know what I mean? And you so, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I would love to, you know, talk about it. And I, you know, um, hear from you and and also, uh, you know, cause when I say music to people, we start talking about music, uh, and podcast listeners can't see this, but we both have like a bunch of guitars and music stuff. And you know, in the backgrounds here on the, on the zoom, like, um, you know, people light up, Right. When you talk about music education, sometimes people don't light up. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're like connecting it to something that maybe in their experience was like, I don't know, their mom making them take piano lessons or, some, or something like that. Well, And that's... so my question to you and, you know, the the listenership is how do we like make that connection for people? You know, would you have the joy and the transformative power of music and making music? I mean, everyone listens to music, but if you're a career musician, you know, you're making every day, you're making music and you're deeply invested in that. And so how do we connect sort of the joy and transformative power to that, to people's music education experience? You know, that's, that's my challenge out there when I, you know, I'm talking to people who are in the, in the industry or in the biz or, you know, in, in music and doing it, doing it full time.
1: Yeah, that, that's a fantastic Here's how I break it down. Uh, you know, like you said, professional musicians, we do music 24/7. Oftentimes, whatever profession you're in. So if you're in plumbing, electric, or you know some kind of uh, you know physical labor job like that, or if you're in accounting or law, whatever it is, when you go home in your spare time, you don't want to do that job anymore. You're done. You just want to like, okay, don't. I don't want to read another law book or a contract. I don't want to touch my own kitchen sink because I just fixed five of them for other people today, right? Whatever it is. Well, for music, professional musicians, it's very much the same way. When we're not working, oftentimes we don't want to listen to music. We listen to talk radio, or we listen to audio books, or you know, <laughs> podcasts, or we listen to nothing. We, nothing. We listen to silence. You know, silence truly is golden. To right. Musician. Uh, however, on the other side of the spectrum, like you said, the average civilian loves music, and they just, oh, wow, you're a musician? Man, well, my cousin plays guitar. And oh, my uncle and my aunt, she's a singer. And and they just go on. And they're so, OK. So what I tell professional musicians when faced with this kind of a scenario, let us not forget that zeal and inspiration that we first found when we fell in love with music when the music bug bit us when we were 10 11 12 whatever age we were I don't if we were 20 w- when, when that inspiration hit we got to remember what that feels like because that's what we have to tap into so now if I'm tapped into that as a professional and I have all of these people you know in the audience or just like you said in the in the wings that want to talk to me about it now I can come up to their level and be like okay yes oh I love your your appreciation for it and your excitement about it, right? We have to meet that zeal with zeal. And that's how the the conversation can meet like this. And then that's also an opportunity for us to show that same person that the education of music is not boring because you can teach, like you said, you can teach youngsters how to play the ukulele four strings. And the joy on their faces is like, whoa. And I could teach a 60-year-old how to play that same ukulele chord or song and the joy on their faces is the same. So, you know, and now that's breaking it down to its most, you know, fundamental part right there. But I'm not going to start teaching you about, you know, extended harmony and the theory behind figured bass, you know, but (laughs) the basic premise of it can be enjoyable. It's just like any other teacher. A teacher who teaches history in, you know, in, 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 uh, you know, fundamental school, they got to figure out a way to connect with their students. Otherwise it's, you know, it's just boring.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. And I I think that it comes back to you asked sort of about the history of Save the Music. Um, so Save the Music, um, lives as its own independent nonprofit. Okay. Good big fact is we were started at VH1. We love VH1. You know, people. A lot of people remember save the music from the, the diva days. You know, Aretha Franklin and slee Dion, Whitney Houston, and again, we're we're very very grateful to that. Um, but now we get about five percent. These days, we get about five percent of our budget from MTV and VH1. Mm. So that's where, and really, that's freed us up to I think develop a much more impactful program. So our impact on the ground. And our engagement with communities is probably two or three times larger than it was back back then. And getting back to your point, one of the big changes that we made that's driven that growth is that we don't come to a community with any kind of fixed agenda about what kind of music they should be making. Mm. So I'm not an advocate for, you know, officially for any any kind of music. Like I, you know, and in point of fact, it would be, so I was just in New Orleans last week. We have an amazing, amazing New Orleans program. Uh, It would be pretty dumb for me to roll into New Orleans and start telling anybody anything about music. Right. (laughs) So, um, really what the driver behind any of our programs and any of our community projects are, is sitting with the people in that community, and understanding what music are they excited Mm -hmm. about making? Mm
1: -hmm. That's right.
0: And, you know, um, so Save the Music was traditionally known for like middle school band and strings programs, which we love. Like I said, middle school band programs saved saved my life. Uh, And we still do a ton of those. But we found that when we go to the community and we spend time with the people there, uh, the educators, people in the music ecosystem in a community, you know, the biggest factor in whether or not our investment in a program there and partnerships there are sustainable or whether the teacher and the community and the school and the students and the families are excited about the music they're making. And, and that can lead us into all sorts of amazing directions. So these days, Again, we still do a ton of band grants and string grants. We've seen a huge growth in elementary music. Mm. So, in students, um, you know, uh, playing recorders and ukuleles and uh, world percussion. And, uh, you know, those ORF xylophones that have the scale where, and students don't have to learn how to read music, right? They can play, you, you know, the ORF, you have one, you have one there. I just,
1: I just used one on an indie documentary that I scored. Hold on. I got to go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. I see. I, see, that's the whole thing. That's the whole joy of it is that it's fun when you exactly
0: them. and you know what with
1: five or 50 right yeah
0: as you know take that thing out of the case you can start yeah the yeah like uh oh, that's like a metallophone or is it a xylophone
1: uh i guess what's the difference i never knew
0: uh there's like different sizes and different keys oh. and they you know well, so i
1: yeah this is metal this is you know uh whoops yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. little little kids can start playing those things right away your yeah. metal, your metallophone like uh yeah crash
1: and then what do you call this is it the harmonium
0: oh yeah look at that yeah that's awesome that's <laughs> like they- uh i was just uh i just went to see gang of four and they have a couple songs where they, they have a harmonium oh, on it
1: there you go and and then the crazy part is so this is a great tie-in that these are instruments you can use to educate people on the most fundamental musical level right Exactly. I yeah. just use those two instruments and the ukulele for a film score that I'm doing. So exactly, the, it runs the whole gamut. And then, yeah. And so
0: I think that really the takeaway is that when you listen to the community and you gauge engage with the community and the educators and the music ecosystem in a place, yeah. um, that's led us into a lot of new directions in terms of the grants and investments we make in schools. So we've seen huge growth in those elementary programs. Uh, in middle schools in the last just two years, we've seen a, a big uptick in mariachi. Ah. So student programs in places like LA, where you have, you know, large Mexican American populations and they're really, students are excited about connecting with their culture, you know, in an authentic way. And so mariachi has seen a big uptick. And then at the high school level, we've seen a ton of growth in beat making, producing, DJing, uh Songwriting, all those things.
1: Well, something that really caught my attention when you were talking earlier about the instruments that you guys, you know, make available to all of the so- school systems. You mentioned DAWS, Digital Audio Works. Day. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's fantastic because a lot, like you said, a lot of the kids, especially in that teenage zone, from late middle school all the way through high school. That's what they're into. They want to learn how to produce and make beats, right?
0: hundred percent. And we see that when you introduce music tech to the high school curriculum, it pulls in those music kids, yep. you know, so you have kids, are pretty serious music kids. And that's like, that's the music they've been making at home and listening to in their earbuds, you that's know, right. that they take out when they come and, you know, play the French horn at school or whatever. And then it also pulls in the kids who are like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, this sounds cool. Sounds cool. Yeah, so we have a school. We we have a school in Newark, New Jersey, um, big high school uh, right in the middle of Newark. They have about sixteen hundred kids there. Eleven hundred last year signed up for music tech.
1: Come on, I mean that's huge. And you know, I was gonna say I went to a, a performing arts high school in the nineties, and I signed up with those classes as well. I was at the cusp, the beginning of MIDI, right? Musical instrument yeah. digital yeah. interface. And those classes, my electronic music classes, got man, they were so dope. I love those classes. Yeah, and I'll t-
0: so I'll tell you a little more about it. So the it's called the J. Dilla Music Tech Program. Dilla is our is our patron saint, uh, and so um, the background is uh, we we had an inkling probably about five years ago that this was the direction we were going because we saw so much demand from the schools. Uh, and it used to be called the music tech, the music, music technology program. Uh, we announced that with, with Steve Aoki and DJ Khaled with a lot of fanfare. And then some people on our board and other people were like, Hey, you guys, you got to figure out a better name, a better name for this. Uh, so they brought in, uh, Pharrell and his agency team at I am other. Yeah. And I said, okay, like, uh, what should we, what should we name this? And they're like, listen, you need a patron saint this gets back to how you do advocacy. Uh, and in this case, they were, they're better at it than, than I am. Um, they said, you need a patron saint for this? You know, like Jimmy V on the, at ESPN for like the V foundation, like you can picture Jimmy V like running around the court, trying to find somebody to hug, you know, when he won, won the the game, you know, the, the final four, he's like, you guys need a patron saint. So when you say the name of this program, then people, musicians, producers, people in the business immediately know what it's all about. And there's only one person that could be. And that person is Jay Dilla.
1: Jay Dilla. Come on, man.
0: And then, uh, everyone, everyone sort of started nodding their heads. And then we, we DM'd Ma Dukes, his mom, uh, on Instagram (laughs) and said, like, Hey, can we fly you to New York to talk about this? We want to sort of, we, we would love to sort of invest in the legacy of, of, of your son and, and his, his genius, you know, cause Dilla is really like the Coltrane of, you know, beats. It's just like a totally like mind expanding, you know, approach to it. And, you know, so she came to New York and by the end of that first meeting, you know, everybody in the room was crying.
1: I was just, wow, that's powerful, man.
0: And um, yeah, so as of the end of this year, we'll have 50 of these in in high schools nationwide. Of the tech programs, uh, yeah, just a music tech program at high schools, Incredible. and bringing it back uh, because it's Mental Health Action Day. Um, that's the program that we're leaning into in LA with XRE and the 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 activation that we did for Mental Health Action Day. So
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because first of all, we got to give a big shout out to XRE. She's the reason why you and I are talking. Oh, amazing! Yeah, she introduced me to Jay Osterman. Jay Osterman introduced us to you. So, yeah. And unfortunately I could not make it out to wisdom mania. And morning. also
0: shout out to, to, Rob Kleiner, who's the producer, uh, who also the day. Yeah, it was, um, we had our LA team was, was there. I was in new Orleans, okay, but, right. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, um, very, very grateful both to MTV and to XRE and we still work a ton and Jay works like on the other side of the floor that I work on in, in New York. So we know those guys well. Um, but yeah, it's when you are tapping into songwriting and lyric writing and music making and all those things, particularly, and we see a lot of powerful feelings come from people in these uh in these high school classes. Um, you know, that's a great opportunity. And going back to what I talked about, the research and sort of how the music making provides an entirely different environment in school for. Uh, teachers to to engage with their students around social emotional learning and mental health. This is a great showcase for that. So we love it. We love songwriters. We love beat makers. We love producers. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it's been amazing.
1: That's incredible. Just the fact we can all relate to this. Think back through your life and think about all the songs that touched you and made you feel a certain emotion at points of your life and how much you relied on that music to get you through those times. Or you tapped into those, those songs to listen to to make you feel that certain way again, right? So if they're uplifting, you're like, oh man, I gotta have my little uplifting playlist. You know, if you're down in the dumps, going through a breakup or whatever, you have to have a playlist for that. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Relatability is just so.
0: And, uh, and that's, uh, it's funny. I was, uh, we have a board member from live nation and that's particularly, I was talking to her about this because you know, live nation is now like packaged up a festival or a tour, no matter how old you are, they have a festival for you that has assembled every artist from your, when you were 14 to 17, like in a, single, in a single, in a single awesome. show.
1: It's so funny you say that we're going to bottle rock next week in Napa and it's live nation. They put that together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But have you seen this? Uh, so my, my son, uh, I have a 22 year old who's very into emo. Oh yeah. And they have a, fe- have you seen this when we were young festival? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: You know, if you Google when we were young, like the, what it comes up is the, the, one of the top queries is is when we were young real
1: because
0: <laughs> they have assembled every possible emo band. You know, from my chemical romance, yep. you know, to dashboard confessional, um, you know, and it's, um, and that's a great example, which is, is. you know, emo and being that age yeah. and, you know, it's, uh, I took my son cause I love punk rock and I love metal. I, I took him to a lot of warp tours, there you go. uh, you know what I mean? And it's, um. Yeah, to your point. It's, it's super powerful. And I think everybody has music that they can relate to in that, in that vein, you know, for me really. So again, I grew up in Maryland, uh, in the DC suburbs in the eighties, which at that time was the center of the punk rock world. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, I saw Fugazi's very first show, Mm. you know, I saw bad brains, Wow. Now, now, now I'm like one of those crotchety old guys. That I see people wearing those t-shirts all around.
1: Well, it's funny. <laughs> I'm like, I was, I was right up, I was right up 95. I was, I'm from Long Island, New York. So, yeah. And I grew up in the eighties. So I know exactly what you're talking about, man.
0: And, you know, that to me, um, uh, was such a powerful combination of the power of the music, mm. the power of the positive message, right? that the music related, you know, and uh, I'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole of, you know, straight edge or, or whatever, but, but all in all, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, the Discord bands showed how you could make very, very powerful, very hard rocking music, ha- couple it with a positive message. So the message of Bad Brains is PMA. Positive mental attitude, um, and operate in the music business with integrity.
1: Ah, but
0: you know what I mean.
1: You just said, "Well, hold on, hold on, hold the phone." Yeah, please. You just uttered a mouthful, man. That is incredible. You got to, you got to say that again. You got to reiterate that because that's powerful.
0: Right. So, uh, and I'll add on to it. So, if you think about. DC hardcore and discord and bad brains and all those bands. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing examples of bands that rocked mm. and rocked hard and didn't take any shit from anybody Yep, and did it with a positive message. So again, the message of bad brains is PMA positive mental attitude.
1: I mean, yeah, uh, right come on.
0: Um, you know, extended that message to the scene. So like, I mean, I know that people, this is, it's sort of become a bit of a cliche, you know, Ian Mackay lecturing people from the stage at at Fugazi shows, but all these ideas that came out of that around girls to the front and maybe after the show, we ought to go down to the South African embassy, you know what I mean? And, uh, protest against apartheid. Mm -hmm. And that everything was all ages and we were going to do it ourselves, you know? Um, and you think about the lasting legacy of that to have been involved in that for me and to be at those shows and to know those people a little bit, it's incredibly inspiring and inspires me to this day. I was on C-SPAN talking about music in schools. nice. Uh, And at the end they're like, well, you know, do you want to give a thank you or say anything else? And I was like, well, I grew up in and around DC and I'm here today in DC. So I want to thank, you know, Ian McKay
2: (laughs) discord
1: records.
0: And I'm sure nobody on this, uh, watching Susan knew any idea what I was talking about. Um, and yeah, that was a really, that's a powerful combination for me that, you know, informs my work to this day. Like what kind of artists do we want to work with? What kind of, um, you know, students, student experiences do we want to create so when an artist comes to a school what are we trying what are we trying to do there? are we trying to have a you know a marketing opportunity for that artist and create content for them and their socials while they're on tour? yes and but we're not going to do something that's not a worthwhile ex- experience for the for the student. so one of our culture code values that say the music is students first.
1: Oh man, so you I'm, know, so first I love that. Because how are you going to edify the student body? How are you going to bring them, you know, power, right? Empower them.
0: Yeah. And so student the students are like, you know, this is sort of a moral philosophy concept, but they're ends unto themselves, right? So how do we create and they're not means to an end. They're not people that we're casting in an Instagram video for an artist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? So so anyway, all of which is to say, yeah, people, yes, to your point, very, very strongly relate to music in an emotional way, yes. particularly the music that they experienced and made when they were in their, their teenage years. Yeah. I was super fortunate looking back to be part of a scene in a punk rock scene that embodied a lot of those positive values, you know, that we're trying to relate. And then, um... I, uh, I do want to add, like, I'm amazed to be on a podcast called the career musician. Cause I wanted to be a career musician. So you, when I, when I played in bands in high school and college and, and thereafter and toured and put out records and was lucky enough to play on bills with some of those same artists that, that I admired and, yeah. you know, was able to, uh, Lucky enough to have Ian MacKay and Discord distribute our first, you know, vinyl single and play at all the venues in DC—the 9:30 Club, the Black Cat, where I'd seen those bands, you know, come up to New York and play at CBGB's. You know, when I was able to have those experiences, um, you know that that I'm still just super, super grateful for for all of that and having been been a part of that even if I eventually uh, decided I had to stop sleeping on people's couches and, you know. (laughs) go to grad school but uh that's
1: so funny here's the quick elevator pitch on that and it's not really a pitch it's the, it's the reality of here's a and here's b so to be a career musician it all starts with the decision do you want to pursue the artistry do you want to be you know a solo artist or, a, or an original band or do you want to go back up other artists and bands so that decision i made early to be the backing guy i was in the backing band you know and, right and through that, you can monetize your talents, okay? But, you know, my dad always used to say, art and commerce don't mix. And to a point, he's absolutely right. It's impossible to find that, that, uh, that fulcrum point where they do converge, right? That convergence. However, if you can subsidize your art by attaching your talent to others who have already scaled their business... Now you can start to apply.
0: right, right. So that- yeah, I, I and I have so much love and respect for anybody who's making a living making music. <laughs> I I would I would do any of those things tomorrow. I'd drop it all tomorrow. Someone would be like, "Hey man, you gotta like back up this, uh, you know, come come play guitar with us on this like forty five city tour."
1: Yeah. I'd be like, great. What time, what, 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 time do we leave? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's it. I love it. All right. I have a quick few more questions for you. Yeah, please. Yeah. Today, May 19th being mental health action day. Uh, what can people do to take action? Now I know about a little bit about the action items, but I'd like to hear it from you. And I want people to really do this stuff really for themselves. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, and I thought about this specifically around, uh, around musicians, right? Cause that's, that's where we, that's where we live and breathe and work. Um, and the first thing I always tell people is there are so many amazing nonprofits doing great work in this space. Um, I mentioned one of them earlier guitars for vets. Yes, Guitars for vets. Incredible. Organization focused on mental health. Um, they have chapters in almost any city where somebody's gonna be listening to this podcast. They always need um uh guitar teachers, songwriting instructors. What they do is run a program in, at the VA where vets, um, who you know, many of whom have chronic mental health conditions, uh can sign up for songwriting and guitar playing classes. Um, they have a really great sort of therapeutic angle to it, uh, particularly for people who are working through uh, you know post traumatic stress and those kinds of things. And it's a wonderful program. It's run by a guy named Patrick uh, out of uh, Wisconsin, and they are all over the country. They're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for people who can play guitar teach guitar you know not teach people to be virtuoso guitar players and then at the end of the each program if you complete the program you get a guitar get a pretty nice guitar usually from Gibson
1: that's incredible if you if, you,
0: if you're if you're one of one of the vets and so it's uh, it's a great program uh I'll also give a shout out we work with uh and I'm a great admirer of a number of programs that work with um on a similar program, teaching music, teaching songwriting to uh, people who are in or have been diverted from the criminal justice system, mm. um, similar. So there's a higher bar here. There's actually a bit more training that you need to do to actually get into a correctional facility uh, and and teach music. Uh, so one that we work with in LA uh, is called Jail Guitar Doors. Quickly tell you the quick story. So if people are punk rockers, they'll recognize that jail guitar doors is a song by the clash. Um, It's about a guy named Wayne Kramer, who is uh, one of the founding members of the MC five. If you don't know the MC five, they were on the ballot for the rock and roll hall of fame this year. It's crazy that they weren't elected MC five were the rockingest. Yep, They did kick out the jams mother (laughs) effers. Um, and so Wayne, after he left the MC5, uh, went to prison, uh, on a drug related charge. And then the clash wrote a song with him. And fast forward to the, to now, Billy Bragg and Wayne Kramer started up this thing called jail guitar doors, which works with, uh, incarcerated people, mostly in the California system. And then young people who have been diverted diverted from, uh, the justice system. Uh, And in the prisons, it's mostly around songwriting and music making, guitar playing uh, with young people. It's around digital audio workstations and engineering and producing. They have a beautiful new facility right down on Fairfax uh, in LA. Um, And so check it out, uh, Jail Guitar Doors. Um, There's also another California-based thing called Give a Beat that we've worked with that's more around the beat making and DJing and producing. So similarly, if you understand sort of how mental health challenges uh, can potentially lead to a justice-involved uh, <laughs> situation, um, these guys do amazing work. And then, you know, um, I'll also give a shout out, and this isn't new news to any people, anybody, you know, music, musicians on call and, you know, all the stuff that, that, that they do is great. So I would, the takeaway is, There's always somebody local to you who has a local or national nonprofit is doing great work Mm. and can connect you to, um, getting involved in something with a group of people that you're passionate about working with, be it young people or veterans or, um, uh, people who've been ensnared in our criminal justice system, uh, for various reasons
1: like anything um, else it starts at the community level get involved with your community
0: a hundred a hundred percent you know people you know i think a lot of times people particularly artists go down this road of like well i'm going to start my own nonprofit yeah um you laugh uh it's a very common situation right there's a lot i'll refrain from opining on it but what i will say is there's a lot of nonprofits in the U.S. There's something like one nonprofit for every ten people in the, in the United States. Uh, so, uh, and a lot of them, I guarantee that there's one already doing great work around music and a community that you care about, local, local to you. Um, and uh, if people want to get in touch with us, um, you know, via the SaveTheMusic.org website just lob in a question. Say, you heard me on this podcast. We respond to every email and we can, if you're having trouble finding, you know, a right fit or somebody, uh, oh, I could just think of it. If you're in Nashville, uh, there's an incredible group called Southern word Mm -hmm. that works with young people around, um, lyric writing and spoken word stuff and connecting that to their music. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Um, but the big picture is yes. Get involved locally. Get involved with a nonprofit that's already doing amazing work around music and mental health, and um, a community that that you care about because they're they're definitely out there.
1: Love that. How about now? Let's talk about the stigma and the shame and that whole aspect of mental health and just saying, oh wow, I I, I may have some mental health issues. I'm gonna say I'm gonna be honest and transparent. I have a therapist whom I love. She's amazing. I talk right. to her as much as I need to, and it's great, you know. Uh, but that whole stigma thing, and if people really do need help, you know, how, what's your advice there? How do,
0: how yeah, do you- and I, I'm not really qualified to opine on that. If you have you're having a mental health uh, challenge, uh, you know, I, I do. Um, uh, but I can say as a parent, you know, and as somebody who works with educators. I, I think you you've hit the nail right on the head. The most important thing is to is to talk to somebody
1: right right
0: about it you Um, you know, and I always say to people, you know, they're like, is music um, uh, you know, is, is music a powerful you know tool for addressing people's mental health issues? Should, the answer is yes. Mm. but it's not the only one. Mm. Right. So to exactly to your point, like talking to a person who's a mental health professional, right. you know what I mean? And then, uh, figuring out how to integrate, integrate the power of music and your love of music, making and all those things can be a very powerful part of that plan in my experience. Right. But, you know, I don't want to give anybody the impression that it's a substitute for you know, no. finding, a, finding a great therapist, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> you know, life, life happens, right? And we all go through life circumstances and you know, it, it's a good thing to identify with others. And that's what I think sharing does. When you When you open up about something and it can be in confidence with one other person whom you trust or several others, but when you realize that you're not the only one going through it and that, oh wow, other humans have experienced this there's there's a, a camaraderie that happens through that process. Right? That's
0: right. And I think it's, a it's, it's, a, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a big breakthrough and a big revelation for people, I will say, though, and just getting back to the the music classroom part of it, we have seen a lot of these mental health techniques, you know, come the other way. And I think, and I know that XRE did this as part of her uh, session, I also want to give a shout out to, um, you know, some other people doing great work in this space who are music educators and are bringing some of those mental health um, uh, strategies, you know, into the music classroom. So it's not just that music is, is the tool, it's that the music classroom is a great opportunity to have those conversations with young people around um, emotions. And so uh, we work with a, uh, a professor named Ping Ho Ping Ho uh, at UCLA, UCLA Arts and Healing, uh, who does a lot of work with us. I was just with an amazing educator named Cameron Jenkins, uh, also at that Mississippi thing. Cameron is a great advocate for life skills and leadership skills, similar to that practice life idea and how you bring that into the classroom. And I was just with uh, a person named Key Slaughter. Uh, they are an instructor at Loyola in new Orleans. And before we even talked about music at this session, we spent a half hour doing some breathing exercises, you know, some box breathing, some, uh, some guided meditation, you know, along with an original piece that, that, that key, uh, had written and, um, working with key and a group of music teachers and musicians in new Orleans. Um, some of whom I'm guessing for which this might've been a new, a new thing. I mean, it was a really powerful thing. So not only are people leveraging the power of music as a tool for mental health, the music classroom, people are doing a lot of great work around bringing things like mindfulness and, you know, a lot of those mental health, techniques and strategies in, into the, into the classroom. So if people don't know Keith Slaughter, look them up, Loyal in New Orleans, really a uh, great artist and music therapist. And, uh, just led a re- super powerful session that I was in. Uh, and then again, people's minds were just opened and their imagination was sort of sparked, you know, to talk about what are, what can we do next to to build up music education in new orleans in a way that matches the incredible legacy and you know cultural richness of you know of music in new orleans so anyway i just i want to say that yeah not only is music a tool for improving your mental health you can also use the music environment as an opportunity to bring in some of these other techniques and that's i'm grateful to xre uh in the mental health action day for uh bringing that into our class, one of our classrooms in LA, uh, for the session.
1: Yeah. I think more interactive workshops like that are definitely a necessity across the globe in and out of the classroom, you know, from, from elementary school, all the way up through Ted talks, you know, I mean, we need, yeah.
0: I mean, have you, have you, have you done them as part of like in your professional life as part of the, in your band life or your like, uh, your recording life? Is that a thing that you see that happening?
1: Yeah, absolutely i've done quite a few you know seminars lectures and workshops and whatnot and i want to do a lot more to to you know expand the awareness uh yeah it's funny
0: it's, so i used to uh before i i had this job and uh, i've been doing this for about six seven years i worked at a a digital agency in a consultancy called purpose which is just work on social good projects um and, we tried to incorporate it in this is it was an interesting learning we tried to can, incorporate mindfulness like into the workday in the office mm. and you know what it wasn't successful in my view mm. because if you're going to be mindful and meditate and sort of you know free yourselves don't do that in a conference room at your office
1: you can you can't sit <laughs> down when you're doing that
0: <laughs> no no. So anyway, last pitch for the music room. Like as I think it's super hard to do if you're at work or you're at school, yeah. right? For your career musicians who are at their plumbing job, the guy at the plumbing company company is like, we're going to spend 30 minutes meditating before we go out and fix sinks. People are going to be like, what the F are you talking about? What's, no way.
1: I think fix now. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. No. So, but if you're in a music environment, you're in a creative environment, you're, you know, there's a different vibe. You know, then, so it was a really interesting contrast. So at this conference, this convening that we did in New Orleans with all these music people, it was a super powerful tool. And my old job where we tried to do it every Tuesday in the conference room, colossal failure. So it's, uh, so I, yeah, so use that music environment as an opportunity to have, getting back to your question about stigma and these things, to, to have that conversation mm-hmm. when people are in sort of an open
1: All right. So listen, we want to empower the listeners how they can get involved and if they're in need. So if you're in a community and you know you are a creative musical being, but you don't have the tools, you don't have instruments, you don't have access to a studio, you don't have the technological uh, equipment, you know, what can they do? How can they contact you guys to find help?
0: Uh, To find help if if they need gear?
1: Yeah, if they want to get into that, they're like, "Man, I know I'm a great musician, but I just, you know, I don't have the money, I don't, or whatever." My yeah, <laughs> well,
0: that's that's uh, a shit question. So to be clear, yeah, we only work in the school in the school environment. So stay and in school.
1: Stay in school. Yeah, stay in
0: school. <laughs> um, if your school doesn't have it uh, and they want it, then reach reach out to us. Uh, and so we have a pretty high bar, you know, and re- we require the school and the school district to hire a teacher, okay, um, have that teacher in the classroom during the school day, a certain number of hours a week, have a dedicated room for music and commit to that for at least 10 years to get the Save the Music grant. Because the Save the Music grant is about, on average, about $50,000 worth of gear and stuff. And then all the other support that our program team uh, brings to the table. So if your school doesn't have it and you think they might be eligible, Uh, again, go to save the music.org. We've got a ton of information there about what the requirements are, what you, how to get in contact with us, what we require from the school district, but hundred percent, we need champions in the community to be, and we particularly need working people in the music ecosystem to be champions for young people and young creators in music in the, in the community. Um, if you're Yeah, go okay. ahead. Yeah. Is
1: my research correct and you guys have helped over 2000 schools already? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's growing very rapidly. So we're going to do invest in another 150, 160 schools just this this coming this coming school year. Wow. Okay. Um yeah, and one of the reasons the program is so successful and sustainable is we require a lot from the school district. School district needs to step up. We don't we don't support art on a cart. As, as we say, you need to have a mu- you need to have a music room. It needs to be scheduled during the band day, uh, the school day. You need to like it needs to be a real, real class that kids can sign up for. And if you, you know, don't stick with it for at least 10 years, we can come and, and take take all the stuff back. Which rarely <laughs> happens, which rarely happens by you, uh, mind you. Um, it's a very sustainable, very about so while I've been here, we probably made six or hundred, six or seven hundred school investments all around the country and roughly 99% of them are, are still going, going strong. It
1: that's like, that, since you've been there, that's like a hundred per year. That's incredible.
0: Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, we're, that, that, and we're, that keeps yeah. you busy <laughs> and we're, and we're growing and we're growing. Yeah.
1: So, so I, I,
0: want so, to, but add- yeah, I want to answer your question though. So if somebody, um, so I will say this there, uh, and we've been digging into this, uh, quite a bit, uh, there are a number of if you're a young person, uh, so what they call them, sort of this opportunity youth category, like you're between 18 and 24. So if you're in school, uh, then save the music. You know, I think you, that's that's where we operate. If you're just out of school, you're trying to figure out how to make your way uh, in the world. There are a number of programs, Music Forward, which is out of Live Nation, okay. is a great place to start. They do a lot of just like basic how tos both around performance, production, the business, those sort of things. Um, there's an organization called Notes for Notes that works out of uh, boys and girls clubs uh, that does a lot of after-school programs in cities around uh, digital audio, audio workstations performing. Um, I actually just saw they have this somehow at Best Buy. They have like, like D8 DAWs and synthesizers and like computers like at your Best Buy. Um so, um, uh, and then, yes, there are a lot of local programs. So we work in New Orleans with a group called Up, Upbeat Academy mm. that does a lot of this, this work. Um, uh, yeah, if you're, for if, if you want to like go to a place in a program where they're teaching people job skills around music uh, we were Noel no else It fits in the tantrum Who's from the front woman. It fits in the tantrums and who is a powerhouse activist, um, has a program called diversify the stage, mm-hmm. which provides, so if you're at least 18 years old and you have some live audio chops, yeah, they want you like they'll, they'll, they'll subsidize an internship and a program for you to get uh, board at a festival or on a tour. Amazing. Um, so that stuff is definitely out there. It's less established and sort of more growing.
1: That's why it's uh, good that yeah. you're giving us the lowdown. down.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. 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 So, but, um, you know, from the education side, there's a lot going on, uh, community colleges, the, the record labels, trying to get diverse people in for internships yeah. to learn on the business side of things. Diversify the stage, local programs, note for notes for notes. So similar to what I said about the mental health thing, there's almost always a nonprofit doing work in this space. Okay. In in the music ecosystem in your town, mm. and so find connect finding out who they are, connecting with them. Uh, you know, is a good a good start. And then I'm sure you give people this advice about how to get into the business all the time, like yeah. show up, make yourself useful, do good work.
1: I mean, you said it early on, almost yeah. an hour ago, you were like, hey, the musicians that show up on time, yes, punctuality, <laughs> I could not preach it enough. Punctuality,
0: like, Responsibility,
1: yeah. business acumen, organizational skills, knowing how to budget, knowing how to present yourself. I mean, come Is on. your pickup working?
0: <laughs> yeah right it's a power source for your pedal board on, on, on
1: how, how well you maintain your gear and how well organized you are i mean come on yeah
0: yeah yeah although i was talking to, yeah i'm i'm terrible at changing my strings i was telling seven i was telling uh, a guy from one of the the guitar companies last week i think it was the guy from gibson yeah. i was like for years i was like you know i love that dead string sound I never changed my strings because okay, yeah. <laughs> I like because I like how it sounds
1: <laughs> more than half of the guitars in this room have old strings on
0: them yeah the reality was I was just too lazy to change the strings oh
1: yeah and... <laughs> changing strings is a job that is no joke
0: oh I heard that the, I heard that that woman who plays bass in crong band has never changed the strings, well, her strings. but then it sounds incredible
1: <laughs> and That's an old, dead '70s funk sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay.
0: So I guess yeah, but for me now, I just told people that because I was I never got around to changing it.
1: That's so awesome. So listen, Henry, thank you so much, man. You've been so awesome. You know, I I wanted to ask you this question earlier on. uh, I kind of skimmed over it, but you kind of answered it in a roundabout way. You know, you you were always involved in music, like you said. The bug bit you early on. And then you got into more of the executive position. Now you're executive director at Save the Music, and you had some other, you know, uh, stop-offs along your path. You know, how... And you've also divulged to us that you would love to go out there and be a <laughs>
0: <laughs> So yeah.
1: So, so I'm I really
0: good at guitar did. noise. That was always my specialty. So if you want like a really just like noisy feedback like type thing, uh, I'm your man.
1: Hey man, I love it. Uh punk rock for life. Um yeah. how, how do how does all of this musical experience that you've had and and you know you're like you said, coming up in DC, how does that all how is it all bridged between your executive position here? In other words, you know what I'm saying? How did it all- Yeah, happen?
0: yeah, it's a great question. So- Catalyst. Right, so I came up high school, was very into punk rock in the that DC scene. And not just punk rock, like shout out on this podcast to Tommy Keene, who passed away a couple of years ago, one of my all time guitar playing and songwriting heroes, went to the high school like three miles from me TK, uh Rested Power. Uh it's a deep reference for the the DC heads out there. But um, you know, and then when I got to college, uh so in high school, I did every musical thing I could possibly do. I had my own band. I was in musical theater, I was in show choir, I played in the concert band, I played in the jazz band. And, you know, I also look back on the there were a few key teachers along the way who really inspired me. So I remember uh I'm not a great singer. So Many thanks to Ms. Baldwin, who put me in show choir, because I was so enthusiastic about it. Um, and then, you know, said, hey, you know, why don't you do this solo? Why don't you come back next year and perform this, this piece, you know? My um, first high school band teacher was a guy named Mr. Swope. He was hung over 50% of the time but he loved, he loved, uh, Doc Severinsen. He was a trumpet player. He loved Doc Severinsen. Um, but you know, Swope, not a great music teacher, but, all, but someone who always was like, Hey, you're good at this. Like you could do this. Like, why don't you sign up for jazz band? And then when I got to college, uh, had my own band did radio. The college was on a thing called, uh, WHRB 95.3, the record hospital, which spawned a lot of great bands. Uh, Lemonheads came out of that scene galaxy 500. Um, uh, and then when I got out of college, yeah, I really tried to do it, man. I played a bunch of DIY indie bands, started our, started my own little label. I was very, very committed to that DC ideal of we're going to play all ages shows. We're going to write our own stuff. We're going to get in the van. We're going to put out our own, our own records. Um,
1: and and had That takes major tenacity, man. you got to be proactive. Well,
0: yeah, you know what? I was maybe better at that part of it than I was um, at guitar playing and
2: songwriting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But see, that goes back to the whole concept of team. It takes a team to create anything with substance, right? Everybody in the team has their little area of expertise. And
0: we had an incredible rhythm section. Like, I've always been fortunate to play with great drummers. And so, like, uh, I have enormous appreciation for just amazing drummers. So, you know, at the end of the 90s um and I had a day job where I was doing fundraising for democratic political campaigns uh in both walks of life I was sleeping on people's couches. Wow. Wow. So I went to I went to grad school. Yep. And when I got out of grad school, um I mostly worked in digital media. Okay. So, um and so I, you know i did that and reasonably successfully like it's a dark.com startups some um, some big media companies some small media companies eventually was working at this place uh, called purpose where we just did digital media for social good all right uh things so we worked for every town for gun safety we worked for uh, the ACLU we worked for uh brands like Nike and Unilever and Levi's that were trying to incorporate social good into what they did um But I was always playing music, you know, the whole time, like mom and dad bands, uh, you know, somebody needed to come over to their somebody to play Christmas songs at their restaurant or whatever. I was like, yeah, why not? Um, Yeah. yeah. And then so in 2016, I was connected through a friend of a friend to a guy named Chris McCarthy, who had just taken over VH1. Chris now runs like everything at Paramount related to like any unscripted show and animated series that, that you see. Um, and he said, you know, I'm very committed to having social impact and social good be a part of what MTV and VH one is, is about, you know, would you be interested in coming to help sort of re-energize, save the music? Mm. You know, and a light went again, just like that kid in that fourth grade class, when the rock around the clock came to the multi-purpose room, like a light went on for me. Yeah. Like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, and, you know, and I had always avoided doing music as a business, like I'd never wanted to go work for a record label. I was always very committed to that sort of DIY, you know, uh, approach to things sure. sort of the punk punk rock, you know, get it in the van. Yeah. Uh, you know, integrity. um But I saw an opportunity to do the thing that I love. Bring that experience that I which is music, bring that experience that I had as a fourth grader to tens of thousands of other fourth graders, <laughs> you know, all around the nation. And, you know, bring to bear actually all this business stuff in social good stuff that I'd been doing for the previous 15 years. So really take a strategy where a lot of what we do is online. Um, a lot of the social impact theory and strategy that we had used at purpose and bring that to, to save the music, um, around working with communities, listening to communities. One of our rules, if we engage with the community is, um, from the community perspective, it's don't do anything about us without us. Mm. Right. And so it's going back to my point is I don't show up in any community, Detroit, Memphis, New Orleans, Dayton, Ohio, no matter where it is, with a fixed idea of what kind of music people should be making. So, you know, I could take all that social impact st- experience and all that theory and all that strategy and you know, um knowing how to like navigate around the bureaucracy of a big media company like MTV, because I'd worked at media companies and bring that to bear on something that I really, really loved. Uh, and it's been incredibly satisfying. And I I do want to say it's not just me. We have an amazing team. There was an amazing team, a core team already at save the music. When I got there, Hmm. of really committed people who were doing great work in communities and with music educators. And so what we've been able to do is, um, with some love and attention and investment, right. build build it out to the point where the impact now of Save the Music is far greater than it ever was in the VH1 Diva days.
1: Incredible, uh, and that's so, what, and that's yeah. what, you, what you said earlier. I remember uh, Save the Music from the VH1 Diva days. That was you know uh, that was nineties, right? Some mid nineties, late
0: nineties. So yeah, this is the twenty fifth. This is actually our twenty fifth anniversary year. So nineteen. 19- 1997 and again just incredible love and respect to the people who came up with the idea yeah Yeah. you know what i mean um and filled a real need and sort of raised around awareness and urgency around music in schools that's right um and that they sort of built the platform that we were then able to to build on top of uh to create create what we're doing now
1: incredible man well, Henry who once again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Career. Thanks
0: for having me. I, I love, uh, as you can see, I love, I love talking about it, and I would love, uh, yeah, if this spurs, you know, anybody from your uh, audience to get involved. That's we need the community, we need career musicians, we need the music ecosystem to be our be the champions for this.
1: Excellent. So, besides using the mental health action uh, tags and whatnot, what else can we tag? Save the music. What uh, any, any particular hashtags? Handles? Yeah, yeah. Hashtag
0: music saves.
1: Music saves. Got it. Hashtag. So we
0: don't. So uh, this I say this all the time. It's ironic that it's called save the music because music doesn't need saving, <laughs> as you know, right? Music is alive and well. That's right. Music doesn't need our you know our help in that regard, but music saves, right? So the power of music. Uh, and bringing it back to that mental health point is, uh, and there's a, Hey, there's a lot going on in the world. (laughs) There's a lot of urgent issues out there competing for people's attention. So we need career musicians to be the champions and the advocates for young people coming up and having music in the school.
1: Yes. Because music can save, it can make a difference. It really can.
0: Music saves. There you go. Hashtag music says
1: <laughs> oh all right yeah,
0: yeah. I, I yeah I love it so thank you for i, I it's I, i'm so grateful to be able to, to talk to you and, and talk to your listeners and uh yeah let's let's keep getting after it
1: absolutely I'm gonna stay in touch if that's cool I'm gonna shoot you in please email. okay great we're dropping i'm dropping my book monday and i would love to send you a copy
2: yeah awesome.